Hi, this is Emily, and this is Maddie, and this is Spill the Mead. Spill the Mead. <laughs> Bitch, the pot. The tea is hot. Ha ha! Yeah, we got it. We got that pot and it's getting bitched <laughs> oh god okay did you not get my reference though buddy no oh polar express the movie oh i saw that like one time oh really yeah it was my first imax movie so it's very ingrained into my Cute. memory yeah. yeah i saw it like one time when it first came out oh yeah you my know. dad and i still sing the hot chocolate song so Oh, yeah, see, no clue what that <laughs> very, is. Very wholesome reference you right know, there for you. Yeah. No, I'm not too Christmassy. <laughs> no, yeah, you don't really love Christmas. I love Klaus. That's my Christmas movie. Oh, my God, like, I love that movie that is so much. My shit. Ooh, now I'm excited to watch that movie again. Ugh, ew. No, we're not talking about Christmas. It's okay. not even November. <laughs> like, like, we're not doing it. Well, it's it's November now that you guys are listening to this. But yeah, I'm which still means not Emily will have already decorated her house. <laughs> For Christmas. My tree is up. The stockings are hung. Wow. I mean, look at her go. I do have a child now, so I do have to decorate for Christmas. You have to get a little bit into and it. And I am going to start on November 1st to make it worth all the effort. Exactly. So now I'm that That's person. That's the thing is that I'm, I'm not going to do all that effort Ugh. just for one month. Are you kidding me? Absolutely yeah. not. No, absolutely mm. not. Um, and when I'm putting the star on top of that Christmas tree, I'm going to think of the brightest star that the stage has ever seen. Look like that, that segue. segue. Yeah, y'all like that? Love that. <laughs> um, so yeah, today I'm going to talk about Sarah Bernhardt. And she is famous as fuck. Like, so famous. Um, the world's first superstar famous. And so that being said, there is just a ton of information on her and her absolutely glowingly brilliant career. Um, she was an actress. Um, she's called the Queen of the Pose and the Princess of the Jester. Oh. Yeah, gesture. Sorry. Did I say jester? Oh, yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. the <laughs> jester. No, 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 what does that mean? So, That's yeah. not the whole mean. Queen of the pose, princess of the gesture. Oh, You know, see okay. that. Yeah, there it Love is. Love that. Yeah. Um, so we're going to focus on the drama that was going on, not in her career, because again, there's so many things out there that will tell you every play, every film, everything that she's ever done. But mm-hmm. we're, we're going to, you know... We're not, we're not going to focus on all of that. Okay, yeah. But she had sold out performances. Every major playwright at the time wanted to write for her specifically. Whoa. And some did. They wrote plays just for her, just so she'd be in them. Oh. Yeah, she was nicknamed the eighth wonder of the world. Emperors took a knee before her. Aristocrats oh gave her God. jewels like this, this Bitch. girl. She was ruthlessly ambitious, had an entourage of friends and fans and lovers that trailed her every move. Yeah, she's she literally like the first celebrity. She's first that bitch. Superstar. Wow. So yeah, here we go. Um Henriette Rosine Bernard was born on five rue de l'Ecole de Médecine in the Latin Quarter of Paris. Beautiful. Yeah, her birthday date is debated. Um, she would kind of bounce back and forth between October 27th, 22nd and 23rd. I don't know why. Huh. Yeah, um, of 1844. That makes her a Scorpio. 
And that checks out. Yeah. Because, okay. I mean, if you didn't, because, again, her birthday is debated. And so people don't know. But, no, it's on October 22nd or 23rd because she's Scorpio. There's one thing that she does <laughs> later on that just sets it in stone. It, like, screams Scorpio. Yeah. Ooh, and when okay. we get there, I'll let you know. Okay. Because, yeah, I'm like, oh, no, it's it's October 22nd. 23rd. Yeah. <laughs> um, her mother's name was Judith Bernard. She was also known as... As Julie, or in France as Yule. Oh, very cute. Love it. And she was a Dutch Jewish courtesan with Ooh. very, very wealthy upper class clientele. <laughs> she is one of those. Yeah. I love it. I, yeah. Oh, God, I love it. Um, her father's name was not recorded, but he's probably the son of a wealthy merchant from Le Havre. Okay. Um, Sarah would later say that her father's family paid for her education. Um, her father's family insisted that she be baptized as a Catholic. Okay. And they were going to leave her a large sum of money for when she came of age. Okay. She said that. Was it true? Yes. What? Yeah. So okay. whoever, again, never named her father. She Interesting. did see him a couple times, but never said what his name was. He's paying his child support. He is. Um, so because of her mother's profession, uh, she traveled a lot. So when Sarah was born, um, she left her under the care of a nurse in Brittany while she was away traveling. And then she had her move to a little cottage in a Paris, Paris suburb. Cute. Um, and then when she was seven years old, she attended a boarding school for girls that her dad oh paid for. Like yeah. her dad's family she paid lived for that school. Like yeah. a very high class life. Oh yeah. And in that boarding school for girls, she was in her first play ever at seven years Cute. old. She played the Queen of the Fairies. Oh yes. Stop it. And had her first dramatic death scene. And the first one, yeah, first play ever. And oh. she would become known for, like, death scenes. Like, oh. that's her thing. Okay. Yeah, she had a little bit of a fascination with death anyways, but death scenes was, like, her thing. That yeah. was what she's going to be known for. Scorpio. That's <gasps> spooky, Scorpio. Spooky yeah. Scorpio. Uh-huh. That's not the thing, but this no, is all but helping that out. is yeah. another thing. Yeah, nice little spooky Scorpio. <laughs> um, meanwhile, her mom is just rising to, like, the top ranks of, like, Parisian courtesans like she is killing it she's sleeping with politicians generals bankers writers and like just just to name a few uh the half brother of napoleon the third the president of french legislator um and one duke of morney who would end up helping Sarah out a lot. Um, her mom's friends would end up helping. <laughs> she has so many friends. Uh-huh. Would um, end up helping Sarah out a lot. Oh, that's um, very nice. It's yeah. good to have connections. Oh, hell yeah. So the Duke of Morney is going to get her into a really prestigious convent school near Versailles. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, the name of it is Grand Champ. It's spelled oh. Grand Champ. <laughs> Grand Champ. <laughs> but Grand, Grand Champ yeah. does not have the same <laughs> ring to it yeah. as um, so she's 10 years old at this point. She's okay. in this comet school. Still baby. Yep, she kept acting, but now since she's at a comet school, she said she wants to be a nun. Cute. Yeah, it is. She did not follow any of the rules, so no. this is odd. That's me as a 10-year-old, though. Yeah. Like, like, I was like, I want to be, yeah, whatever the fuck, and, yeah. like, just absolutely, no, it did not fit my personality. It's like, 
doctor. No, Emily, be a terrible doctor. <laughs> yeah, no, the more like at the end of this, it's like, oh, ten year old Sarah thought she could be a nun. It's like, <laughs> like no, oh, yikes, that is like so <laughs> outside your realm. Yeah, <laughs> and like they started to notice that in this in this school because when her pet lizard died, <gasps> yeah, she's a lizard girl. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, Same. I am. Yeah, see, I am not. That's where we differ. Uh-huh. Not, not a lizard person. I love um, snakes. Yeah, God. It's, we've, okay. we've talked about this. We okay. have. We've got to get into her lizard, though. Her yeah, dead her, lizard. Her dead lizard. Um, so she wanted to give it a full Christian burial. Like, wanted a procession, <laughs> a ceremony, like, all of this shit for this lizard, oh okay? Gosh, I love that. But the nuns were like, oh, my God, it's sacrilege. This is so bad. Oh, God. Yeah. And <laughs> okay. If, if anyone's wondering what sacrilege is, because I didn't really know. It seemed like a broad statement, and it pretty much is. Um, it's... Quote, the violation or injurious treatment of a sacred object, site, or person. It's like, was this lizard sacred? I don't know. Um, But anyways, any transgression against what is seen as the virtue of religion is pretty much sacrilege. And apparently giving a lizard a full Christian burial is not that. But it's giving me Scorpio vibes, and I love that. uh That's still very Scorpio. Um. Anyways, with all that said, she did receive her first communion as a Roman Catholic at the age of 12. So okay. after that, it, she kind of sometimes says that she was fervently religious, but I've, I've, we she's can all guess. a child, so. Yeah, we can all, you know, take a guess. Well, she's also known for, like, bending the truth when convenient also. Oh, so later okay. on, when she's famous, someone's going to ask her if she's a Christian. And she's, this is her response, quote, No, I'm a Roman Catholic and a member of the great Jewish race. I'm waiting until Christians become better. <laughs> End quote. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. And you'll note there, because this is the late 1800s, that she was very loud and proud about her Jewish heritage, which I love. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about more of that later um but just so she says that statement but then in an interview before that someone yeah uh, someone asked her if she prayed and she's like nope never i'm an atheist what what yeah no sarah's just fucking difficult (laughs) like but right before she died she accepted the last rites i don't know I don't know. It, it sounds like a backup plan to me. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so a few years later, uh, she learns that her father died overseas. So now her mother has to figure out what to do with her. And so she calls this family council because now she's only 15. So that come of age money is no more. She didn't make it to that age. Oh, and so shit. they're ripping that. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. So now the family council it's like her mom her grandma and like her who her mom's fucking at this point okay, yeah. <laughs> he was still the duke of morty who's good because he's very oh, helpful okay good good so it was him that said like you know what sarah should be an actress i think she'd be really good at that and sarah was like oh wow no that's horrifying i've never even been inside of a theater before and he's like well let's change that so the duke of morty has it all arranged that she attends her first theater performance at the comedie francais <laughs> which is like the biggest theater in France. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one of the few state theaters in France now, um, but it's 
It was founded in 1680, but it's the oldest active theater company in the world. Like this oh is, my gosh. yeah, the Comedy Francaise is like a big deal, um, and it's the only state theater in all of France to this day that has its own permanent acting troupe. Ooh. So they're like a big deal. Yeah. Um, so this big old party, they're all gonna go see this. Mm-hmm. Um, it included her mother, the Duke of Morny, and his friend Alexandre Dumas. Yeah, that one. That's that's the guy. Oh shit! Got to count him on a Christo through yeah. here. That guy. Oh my god! He's just there casually, and so Sarah's watching this play, and she just gets like so fucking moved by it that she just starts like blubbering, like sobbing, like so loudly, like <laughs> oh, in the comedy oh, français, oh, no. that like the rest of the audience is like appalled. Morty, her mom, everyone else in their party, like are just so embarrassed and fucking leave (laughs) but Alexander Dumas stays there and comforts her yeah and like later on you know he tells Maureen that like no she's destined for this that little outburst was just passion Scorpios are very passionate and he's like no she's destined for this and from there on out he's gonna call her my little star and he's gonna like help her out oh my gosh so the Duke of Morney was very appalled by her whole you know blubbering the scene if you will but he still used his influence to get her an audition at the comedy francais okay so i don't know her making a huge scene is like a great sign that she's meant for this to me right like home skill it's not oh yeah embarrassed at all no no (laughs) and like this is great she's a lot and she's dramatic yes this is perfect for her oh god so she begins preparing for this audition and in her memoirs i love i love how she says a lot of things but in her memoirs she's talking about getting ready for this and she says that she started preparing with that vivid exaggeration with which i embrace any new enterprise oh scorpio passion yeah love it um so dumas coached her for this like taught her everything they're like buddies they're like buddies that's so cool um so the jury of this whole audition was composed of the head of the theater and five of the leading actors and actresses so sarah was supposed to recite verses from racine but no one told her that she needed to have someone give her cues as she recited it like she had to bring someone with her to give her cues like they weren't going to do it Uh, i don't know because because the theater i don't know um and so she panicked and she's like okay well instead i'm just going to recite the fable of two pigeons by la fontaine okay i don't know and the jurors were like ew why gross but she won him over at the end and they invited her to be a student so now she is a student at the comedy francais this is a huge deal yeah like People study like try so hard to get in, and she got one audition, didn't even do the right thing, and she's in. Uh-huh. Um, so she's gonna study there for two years under two of the lead actors, and it's here where she changes her name to Sarah Bernhardt because remember oh, okay. she was born Henriette. Oh, okay. um, we'll talk about why she picked that name. Yeah, at, in a bit. Um, also, like Bernhardt and Bernard are very. It's yes. pretty much just a spelling <laughs> difference yeah, in there. Okay. But we'll talk about why she picked Sarah. Okay. Um, while she was at the theater she also received her first ever marriage proposal like i know her first one yeah from i'm assuming of many then i'm yeah (laughs) (laughs) um it was a wealthy businessman and he also offered her five hundred thousand francs like marry me i'll give you five hundred thousand francs and he just completely wept when she said no 
And she later wrote in her memoirs. I love her memoirs also. Like, I'm so going to read this. Like, just the way she says things. I love her. But she later wrote that she was confused, sorry, and delighted by the whole thing because he loved me the way that people love him plays at the theater. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. But she was still like, nah. Um, I mean, yeah. Fair enough. No. Yeah. I have this giant tragedy class examination coming up that I have to study for. So she was working on that exam for her tragedy class. She has ambitions. She has other things she's focused on oh my gosh she's trying so for this exam this final she's trying to when you see the photos of her she has this beautiful beautiful thick curly hair Mm -hmm. and a lot of people are going to call it frizzy people that don't like her and stuff but it's this beautiful thick hair but she tried to straighten it before this exam it didn't work it made it more uncontrollable everything said she had come down with this cold that made her voice so nasally she couldn't even recognize herself and her performance was classical like a more classical one and required this really like carefully like stylized emotions but she liked more romanticism and like embracing natural emotions yeah like that's her thing something more realistic yeah Yeah. like that was like her yeah feeling things genuinely and like oh big like putting it out there so like this was not her thing so the teachers ended up ranking her 14th in tragedy and second in comedy um which is which is odd um the second in comedy thing anyways because she's also not a comedy actress but anyways didn't come well but the duke of mourning here he comes he's gonna save her again oh this is like not not much temporary stepdaddy not much changes in show business like if you do not have connections you're probably not gonna make it because sarah would not have ever but Mm -hmm. here comes the duke of mourning um he puts in a good word for her with the national minister of the arts that he just happens to know (laughs) so long story short she's offered a place as a pen and Ooh, a pensionnaire at the theater at the Comedy Francais. Okay. At a mem- at a minimum salary. Wait, so, what is that? Um, a pensionnaire is like a junior class of actors that they appoint annually. Oh, okay. So once a year they pick these pensioners and stuff. Oh, and okay. so cool, cool. she gets appointed. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. So she makes her debut with the company on the 31st of August in 1862. She's the title role in Racine's of Wow. The title role. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> She's a lucky little bitch. Mm-hmm. How do mm-hmm. you think it went? I th- probably, wait, this is a tragedy, right? A fidgety? I have no clue. Oh, okay. Probably. I think probably really well. No. Oh, Her, oh. She did fucking awful. Like, she did awful. She was the lead. She was a fidgety, for God's sakes. And she got crazy stage fright she forgot all of her lines oh no the audience members were like making fun of how thin she was she has this really thin figure that comes up a lot and so they're all making fun of her when her performance ended one of her teachers one of the actors she learned under for those two years was waiting in the wings and she went over and asked if he could forgive her and he said quote i can forgive you and you'll eventually forgive yourself but racine in his grave never will like, 
she <gasps> bombed man oh my god yeah so one the theater the the theater critics and everyone were there but no. all oh. it, her, her, the critics could have been harder the big one okay. that came out just said about her she carries herself well and pronounces with perfect precision that is all that can be said about her at the moment that's all it said. Okay, no, that's that is yeah, they totally were, okay. They were being nice because yeah, it didn't go well. That is surprisingly kind. And like after that, she played in some other roles and wasn't impressing anybody. Uh, the other actors completely resented her because who the fuck are you? You come in here, you play a fidgety, oh, yeah. like yeah, they're resenting her, which oh, I kind of get. Yeah. yeah. Um, and weeks, months passed, and she was given no further roles, and to add to that um she had this temper this temper on Uh, her uh yeah she really just feels her emotions yeah what a scorpio oh she's such a scorpio Mm -hmm. she was gonna be she was gonna be a water sign no matter what Mm -hmm. because like i'm a water sign okay so don't get offended because i know you're going to because you're water signs and i would be too but hear me out (laughs) water signs are like we are the fucking best until we're goddamn not and then we are the worst like water can be so calm and serene and awesome or it can be a motherfucking storm and drown you (laughs) that could kill you yeah that is sarah bernhardt so for example the theater doorkeeper once addressed her as little Bernhardt just said that like it I don't know how condescending it was probably not not that much so she breaks her umbrella over his head holy fuck yeah and she's like sorry you know she apologizes profusely about it and stuff but you still broke your umbrella over someone's wow. head because they called you little Bernhardt but here's the thing though uh, she remembers things and so when that same doorkeeper retired 20 years later and she was rich and famous. She did buy him a cottage in Normandy. Oh! Like a, hey, sorry, okay. I fucked you up that one time. I'm just putting it out there. If you come and break an umbrella over my head and give me a cottage, like, I will happily let you break that umbrella yeah. over my head. Yeah, a cottage you in Normandy. Me, yeah, I fuck it up. Yeah, God. Yeah. Yeah, deal. Yeah, she... Yeah, she she had a few encounters. That wasn't the worst one. Um, this one right here did it for her. Uh-oh. Um, so there was this really extravagant actors ball, and she invited her younger sister to go with her. Regina, so cute, oh, love the name. Sister, cute, yeah, little little Regina. Regina. Yeah, well, poor little Regina was accidentally standing on the train of a gown of the leading actress of the company, named Madame Natalie. Like the actress of the company standing oh. on her dress. So Madame Natalie sees this and pushes Regina off her gown so hard that she like strikes her head against a column and it makes this <gasps> gash in Regina's head. Fuck her up, Sarah. <laughs> oh yeah. So well Regina's holding her own still. So Regina, oh, okay, and, Regina. and Natalie just start yelling at each other. Like bad bitch mode, yeah, you know? Okay, yeah. And so Sarah gets sick of that and she just like comes up and just slaps Natalie across the fucking face. <laughs> like hard. I don't so, condone violence, but No. But I But did she have it coming? Yeah. And so the older actress, Natalie, like fell onto another actor. Like that's how hard she hit her. So this whole thing's a fucking mess. So <laughs> Madame Natalie's like, 
fucking tell her to apologize or you're gonna fire her. This is bullshit. And Sarah's like, I'm not apologizing to her until she apologizes to my sister. And Natalie's like, I'm not fucking apologizing to anybody. And no one's giving in to anybody. And so they're all way too stubborn. Oh, yeah. And so the management was forced to let Sarah go. (gasps) And she allegedly, allegedly ripped up her own contract was like, fuck it. Fine. I'm gone. So her family is just like bewildered. Like, how do you walk away from the most prestigious theater in Paris at 18 years old? You were lucky to even be in there and you lit your fucking hot head like and now you quit. What are you doing? Just say you're sorry. And she's like, no, fuck that. I'm just going to go to this other theater, a, a fairly popular one called the Gymnase. And she became an understudy there to two of the leading actresses. Sounds like it's working out for her. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's not. Here's more drama. (laughs) Yeah. Right now. Just almost immediately. Oh, no. This one wasn't her fault. Um... So she was invited to recite poetry at a reception hosted by none other than Napoleon III. Whoa. Yeah, along with other actors at the Gymnase. So she chose to recite two romantic poems by Victor Hugo. And she didn't know that Victor Hugo was, like, a really bitter critic of Napoleon. Like... Oh, yeah. oh shit. So she kind she finishes the first poem. Oh, foot and mouth, babe. Yeah. Napoleon, the Empress, the court, other guests get up and storm out. Like they're fucking pissed, <gasps> right? And she's just like, what the hell? Like, I don't know. You know. Oh my bad. Gosh. So then the next role they gave her was is this foolish Russian princess. This role did not suit her at all. Her mom saw the performance and said that she looked ridiculous up there and stuff. And Sarah is like okay fuck it i quit i'm not i'm not an actress i wasn't supposed to be i guess i'm just gonna go ahead and travel and fuck people like my mom did oh okay yeah power to you sarah it does seem like she keeps getting chances when like why are people giving her so many chances (laughs) like her mom slam pieces are like a really high in society yeah so i'm telling you yeah yeah if i were her fellow actor i would be pretty pissed too i'd be like who is this bitch oh yeah (laughs) coming in here with the nepotism just wait like she is so difficult i love her again i'm always gonna for the most part i mean i didn't do nero okay that was emily just let's be clear on that but for the most part i'm gonna try to be on like the person who i'm telling their story i'm gonna be on your side yeah yeah but i yeah she's difficult but i love her um so, yeah. So now she's going to she went to Spain for for a little bit. She's still talking to um, Alexander Dumas. They're very good friends. Good. And he's like, hey, why don't you go to Belgium? I'm going to write you this letter of recommendation. If you want to go fuck people in Belgium, I support you. I support your dreams. My little star. So she goes <sighs> to Brussels with this letter of introduction from him. And she just, bam, gets admitted to the highest levels of society in Brussels. What the fuck? I know. No, I know. It's ugh. She just has amazing luck. Amazing luck. Mm-hmm. So she alleged allegedly attended this masked ball in Brussels where she met a Belgian aristocrat, Henry, the hereditary Prince de Line, and had an affair with them. So oh, she just like popped okay. right in there. Yeah, she came into Brussels, legs open, and landed on a prince. Was she just like hot? Um, I think that she's beautiful, but not traditionally. Like when people were first looking at her, we're, we'll get into a lot of her critiques, but... Again, there's a lot 
unfortunately of anti-semitism going on so when she had like you know certain features that people didn't love the jewish nose the traditional jewish hair and and all of that and yeah and she's very thin which wasn't at this point not attributed to jewish women she'll be known for that later again Mm -hmm. i have a whole little blip on her jewish ancestry at the end of this but so she wasn't conventionally attractive but obviously like once she gets more known and stuff like the photographs of her and everything are beautiful yeah she just has this very enigmatic personality she's just, i was gonna say she must just be like a charmer yes and we'll also get into this a little bit but she also has this like voice like her voice Ooh, is very like distinctive yeah a very Ooh. golden voice Ooh, so okay. quote a golden uh-huh. voice um so yeah so she's fucking this prince and um again allegedly she met him at a masked ball in brussels i'm sticking with that story yeah. other accounts say that they met in paris because the prince came there to attend the theater i don't know i like the mask because come on it's so romantic um but their affair was cut short because she learned that her mom had a heart attack so she went back to paris her mom was fine like she got there and her mom was okay she was doing better ended the relationship um kind of no what's uh, no because she's pregnant (gasps) with the prince's baby (gasps) yeah um she's not going to tell him though because sarah so her mom's like, you're not having this fatherless child born under my roof. You're going to have to move to this small apartment and do it. So the 20-year-old Sarah gives birth to her first and only child, Maurice Whoa. Bernhardt. Yep. Oh, my gosh. But because drama. Some accounts say that Prince Henry did not forget her, and he never did, and that he tracked her down and learned her address from the theater, showed up in Paris, showed up on her doorstep, moved into this apartment with her, fell in love with her, after a month went back to Brussels, told his family that he's going to marry her, and his family's like, wow, fuck you, we'll disinherit you, you're not marrying some French actress, like, no. So there's a story. Other people say that the prince denied any responsibility for the child at all. It's one of those gossip. We don't know. It's gossip. Mm -hmm. But either way, she's going to call this little affair her abiding wound for the rest of her life. So who knows? And I mean... This prince, we we know it's him. We'll we'll see why um, in a little bit. But she never explicitly said that he was the father, though, because Sarah. So when people would ask her, she would sometimes say, oh, I can never make up my mind whether it was Gambetta, Victor Hugo or General Boulanger. Like she just had a whole list of these big, yeah, because (laughs) mysterious. Yeah. And she just like used it as an excuse to like name drop. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. But so this is how we know that it was the prince, though. So many years later, like many years later, when Maurice is a teenager um, and Sarah's famous at this point, the prince comes back to Paris and finds Maurice and wants to, like, acknowledge him as his son, like, legitimize him. Like, this is it. And Maurice... As stubborn as his mama, very politely, and he's very loyal to her. Like, she works, we're going to get into it, she works hard to support them. So he's very loyal to his mom. And he explained to him very politely that he was entirely satisfied to just be the son of Sarah Bernhardt. 
Aww. Yeah. And that he hoped that his father now realized that the name Bernhardt also had its own advantages and he didn't need to be tied to him. <laughs> oh, okay. I yeah. love that. And he uses Maurice Bernhardt for the rest of his life. Yay. So, like, very, very cute. Yeah. That's um, so sweet. So, anyways, back to back to little baby Maurice. Um, Sarah has to support him and herself, so she goes back to acting. And she eventually lands this reading with the director at the Théâtre de Lyon. So, the director would later say, describing her reading this audition, uh, he would say, quote, I had before me a creature who was marvelously gifted, intelligent to the point of genius, with enormous energy under an appearance of frail and delicate and with a savage will, end quote. Ooh. Like, just from a reading, they're getting all mm-hmm. this from her. The co-director didn't want anything to do with her. He said that she was unreliable, she's too oh, thin, whoa. I want nothing to do. I mean, she kind of has a bit of a reputation yeah. at this point. I mean, no, fair enough. Yeah, but uh, the director is like, no, fuck it. I, I love her. I'm going to hire her. I, I, I'll i pay out of my pocket for her to work here. So he could only pay her a very modest salary of 150 francs a month, but he paid okay. it out of his own pocket. He yeah. believed in her. So this is, uh, we're coming into like Sarah, the actress now. Okay. So now she's at the Odeon, which is the second most prestigious uh, theater in France, only second to the Comédie Française. Mm-hmm. So she's doing well. Um, but unlike the Comédie Française that was very traditional, this one was more modern and she, like a better fit for her. Yeah. Um, but her first performances with this theater didn't go great. She didn't. She didn't do well. She was cast in these really highly stylized and frivolous comedies, and she's oh not a comedy actress. Like she's not. Her strongest point was complete sincerity, and these comedy roles are not doing it. Plus, uh, I I don't want to like give it credit, but you kind of have to. Where, where everyone was saying she's too thin, she's too thin. These comedy costumes were so over the top and ornate, and stuff. they they were kind of swallowing her. Yeah, you know, like probably it, yeah, this just wasn't her. Yeah, not not working. So even Alexandra Dumas, her biggest supporter at this point, after one of the performances says, God, she has the head of a virgin and a body of a broomstick. Like, she just, oh, yeah. And, yeah, ouch. the broomstick thing comes up. Um, we'll, we'll get back oh, to that. She, that's what people are, are saying about her. Um, but with different plays and more experiences, her performances start improving. And she um, starts to play her first of many male roles as well, because she'll, she'll get into male roles. Um, she'll later say it's because they're written better. You can do more on yeah. stage. Yeah. yeah. Like, there wasn't a lot for women at this point. And not with a lot of range of emotions. And so she liked playing men because there was more things to do, more to act out. They're more dynamic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she'll eventually be really famous for her portrayal of Hamlet. She's the first woman to play Hamlet. And like, that's like one of her most famous. I love that. Um, But her breakthrough performance was at the age 24 and it was in King by Alexander Dumas and she played the female lead. So the play was interrupted in the beginning by young spectators. It's very political right now. Okay. So young spectators are sitting in the front row first act yelling down with Dumas, give us Hugo, blah, blah, blah. Like you're at an Alexander Dumas play. Why'd you come? You know, like fucking leave. Yeah. So Sarah stops in the middle of her performance and like directly addresses the audience and she goes friends 
You wish to defend the cause of justice. Are you doing it by making Monsieur Dumas responsible for the banishment of Monsieur Hugo? Like, you guys, oh, you're such social warriors. Yeah. Like, you're going to be in a theater yelling. Is that, is that what you're going to do? Like, how is this going to fucking help yeah. anything? The also? audience started cracking up. And then Ooh, applauded her. And yeah. then shut the fuck up and let her do the play. Oh. At the final curtain, she gets this enormous ovation. Dumas, like, ran backstage, congratulated her. When she went to leave the theater, this huge crowd gathered at the stage door and were, like, throwing flowers at her. Yeah, so after this one, her salary was immediately raised to 250 francs a month. Oh, yeah, girl. And she's doing a lot more productions now. She even gets invited to perform for Napoleon III again. And nails it. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised he even yeah, was willing to have her go in front of him again. She really turned it around. Yeah. And, I mean, he loved the performance so much that after he sent her a brooch with his initials written in diamonds on it. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, he loved her. Wow. After storming out. Like, this is Sarah Bernhardt. What a turnaround. Yeah, like, she's incredible. Do you not want her entire chart? Yeah, like, I do. love her whole chart. Oh my god, she definitely has like a Capricorn placement in there somewhere oh, because for baby sure. works. The ambition. Yeah, yeah, but my god, yeah, the rest just has to be like just water signs because my <laughs> lord, like she's great until she's not. Yeah, like I, I don't know. I love her. I love her. So again, in those memoirs, um, she would later write of her time at uh, the Odeon. This this is a long one, but it's really nice and gossipy. So I'm gonna read the whole quote. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um. So she says. Quote, it was at this theater, the Odeon, that I loved the most, and I only left there with regret. We all loved each other. Everyone was gay. The theater was like one of continuation of a school. All the young came there. I remember my few first months at the Comedy Francais. That little world was stiff, gossipy, and jealous. I remember my first few months at the gymnase. They talked only about dresses and hats and chattered about a hundred things that had nothing to do with art. At the Odeon, I was happy. We thought of only putting on plays. We rehearsed mornings, afternoons, all the time, and I adored that. End quote. Pretty much like, oh, all of you other bitches, like, who aren't focused on the art. other places suck. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I I really love the um, stiff, gossipy, and jealous. Oh, yeah. like, oh, we've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Um, But anyways, it's here. Like, her career starts to take off. Again, we're not going to get into the just... This could be so overwhelming. And I'm so sure that there's so many podcasts out there just on Sarah Bernhardt because she does thousands, literal thousands of plays. Oh, my like, God. Like so many. And some go good, some go bad. Like we cannot possibly get through all that. Uh-huh. So we're just going to focus on what was going on in her life outside of the plays. Sure. So at this time, she's living with her longtime friend and assistant and her son um, and Sarah's son. Sorry. So her yeah. personal assistant and Maurice in a mm-hmm. small cottage, and she would just drive herself in the to the theater every day in a small carriage. Oh, what a um, yeah, she began writing in plays and starring in them too. Like she's really getting into it, yeah. and she ended, she was like receiving celebrities in her dressing room and stuff. Oh. Like she's she getting big. Yeah, um, she ends up moving to a much larger seven room apartment right in the middle of Paris. Oh wow! Um, and her mom began visiting her for like the first time in years. Like she's really flourishing here. Oh. Um, her grandmother, who is a very strict Orthodox Jew, moves in 
to her apartment to take care of Maurice. Um, Sarah's adding a maid and a cook to her household and this, <laughs> the beginning of this collection of animals that she's going to have. Oh. Yeah, we're going to sidetrack and we're going to talk about this little menagerie for a second because... The lizard was just the star. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is this is a lot. Um, so, oh, man. So she would have one or two dogs with her just always, at all times. Um, she had two turtles that just roamed around her apartment oh, freely. Cute. Yeah. Um, she would end up having a cheetah, a wolf, no. oh. a boa constrictor, no. a lion club that tore up the apartment on tour and then she yeah. had to give something back yeah, because you should have that's a wild fucking animal yeah, you should not have Sarah. A cub, yeah. yeah where's its where's its mom yeah. um, she would have a parrot a puma two oh. horses a oh. monkey named darwin and an alligator named ali gaga i'm not kidding <laughs> ali gaga ali dash gaga um, oh, oh, wow. yeah, um, that this alligator died. If you're wondering how her animals were doing, um, not this one, not great. Um, died from being fed too much milk and champagne. Okay. So don't love that. Um, Sarah. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's going to end up going on tours eventually and she's just like collecting animals and just like bringing them back Sarah yeah like <laughs> she would go to like another city and tour and like rent an apartment for like the animals that she would acquire oh and God. then just bring them all back with her okay. I don't know you know like that friend <laughs> that we've all had at some point or another who like tells you the most wild shit in the most <laughs> casual way like something absolutely off the wall bonkers that they've done and they like have it justified in their own head and they're like no no, no but it's fine because like blah, blah, and you're just looking at them like yeah what the fuck <laughs> yeah that's sarah sarah's Sarah that, that friend, friend. Oh, yeah 100 oh, yeah and then i like picked up a cheetah there and yeah. her assistant's like sarah yeah no you can't just pick <laughs> up a cheetah another one yeah, yeah like we can't we can't where do we put these She's like oh just rent an apartment for him <laughs> i don't know figure it out yeah like oh no for the love of god oh poor animals um yeah i don't so uh, this next part I don't, I'm hoping that the animals were saved here because I didn't hear of anything tragic happening to them. Okay. But except for the this is crocodile. Except for the crocodile. Um, <laughs> Ali Gaga, I can't. Um, <laughs> what a fucking 10 out of 10. No notes on that name. Um, but this just. I'm not saying this because all of her animals were burnt to a crisp. This is just what? where we. This is just where we are in our lives. Sorry. In 1868, a fire completely <gasps> destroyed her whole apartment and all of her belongings, and that's all I found. But I, it sounds like she's had this collection of animals forever. So I think that the animals oh were okay. okay. And if they weren't, and you're a Sarah I mean, Bernhardt super fan, how do you rush fan? a wolf and a cheetah and a lion cub and a crocodile? Like, how do you rush all that out of an I feel apartment like though during just a fire? Open the fucking door, and they're and gonna they all run. rush out themselves. But then the how two do you turtles. Catch, like, oh. I don't know. I don't know. Like Maybe they were just shells. in another apartment at that time. We're yeah. just gonna go forth with the that they were all fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, that makes me feel better. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if they weren't near a Sarah Bernhardt super fan, don't tell us. Okay, yeah. they were fine. Um, but anyways, this fire just like burnt all her shit up. Um, she did not 
purchase insurance because Sarah's chaotic. She also has a Gemini placement for sure because this girl is is chaos. No, she absolutely did not get Sarah getting insurance. Are you (laughs) kidding me? She doesn't look into the future. She's just living life as it comes at her. Absolutely. Uh Um, The like the brooch that Napoleon gave her like melted. The pearls melted. Like oh my god. Like these tiaras melted. She found like diamonds and stuff in the ashes, but it was that hot. Like all of her gold or everything like melted. Like fuck. Oh, shit. But the managers of the Odeon, like, rallied around her. They organized this benefit performance. Um, the most famous soprano at the time, her name was Adelina Patti. Come on. Uh, performed at this uh, benefit for free. Um, wow. Yeah, her father's grandmother donated 120,000 francs, which is a tremendous sum of money. Yeah. And so, with all of this support and everything, she's she, probably better off now than she was before. Oh yeah, she bought an even bigger yeah, apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just bought an even bigger one. Yeah, um, and paid the landlord back because this whole fire was started by a candle in her apartment. I was going to say, I yeah. feel like it was her fault. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so she paid him back and then bought herself a bigger place. Yeah. Because Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um. But oh man, it's it's France in the late 1800s and so it's war we're getting into war okay. uh, the franco-prussian war to be exact so paris was seized by the prussian army and was cut off from news from its food supply the theaters were closed i mean they're seized that's terrifying yeah war is so fucking scary dude <sighs> like i i can't yeah. um but sarah took charge of converting the whole theater, the whole Odeon theater, into this hospital for soldiers. Wow! Yeah, this is really incredible, this whole spout of her life. Um, So she was taking all of the soldiers wounded in battles outside of the city into into the theater. Um, She organized the placement of 32 beds in the lobby and the foyers. She she brought in her personal chef to make them soup and everything. And she persuaded her wealthy... Uh, her wealthy friends and admirers to like donate supplies, like donate yeah. money, like help out. Um, and besides organizing the hospital, she worked as a nurse there too. And she was like helping the chief surgeon with like amputations and operations oh and stuff. Yeah, she's very hands on. Yeah. Um, so when the coal supply in the city ran out mm. and they were like starting to freeze and everything, she was burning like scenery and like benches and like curtains and props and stuff like from the theater to like heat everything. Oh my like, gosh. Yeah. So they were under the siege for 16 weeks. Oh my and God. So after 16 weeks, um, the Germans, the Prussians, Germans, you know, mm-hmm. um, began to bombard the city with long range cannons. Oh my God. So yeah, like, fuck man, like 16 weeks and now they're gonna like, God, ah, I can't. Yeah. So she's moving patients down to the cellar, like trying to save them from these cannons. Oh my gosh. It got too bad and the hospital did have to close, but she was arranging for the most serious cases to be transferred to other military hospitals. She rented an apartment for the remaining 20 patients that she couldn't find places for for the moment. Oh. Like, yeah, like she, she cared. She did so much. She got much. a lot, but she like gave a lot back. She did, yeah. Like. And she, um, there will be more war. Spoiler alert. You know, yeah. how, you know how it goes. Yeah. Um, and she, she's a very patriotic person. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. So yeah. that's a big part of her personality. Um, but finally the siege ended. She learned that her son and her family had been moved to Hamburg. She had to like go to Germany and get them to bring them back. It's like a whole fucking ordeal. But she like saved 
a whole bunch of people. Yeah. It did a bunch of work there. Like, yeah, that's it's, incredible. It's incredible. Uh, I feel bad kind of skating over it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now the Odeon is still intact, thank God, after all oh. the cannons and everything. Yeah. And so the co-director of the Odeon comes to her apartment where Sarah receives him just reclining on, on a sofa, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, hey, the theaters are going to reopen in October can you please play the lead in this new play? And Sarah, being Sarah, <laughs> replies, oh, I'm just finished with the theater. Instead, I'm going to move to Brittany and start a farm. And it's like, Sarah, what the fuck are you talking about? What? Like, literally, what the fuck are you talking about? And this guy, <laughs> like, knows her, right? Yeah. Like, he's the co-director. And... He knows her, and he's going to play her like a little fiddle. And so he's going to be like, oh, my God, I totally understand and accept your decision. I am I <laughs> wanted you back. to play it, of course, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to blank, a rival actress. Oh. And she flew off of that fucking couch so fast and was like, when, when's rehearsals? <laughs> like, fine, I'm doing it kind of thing. And that's yep. literally all it took for her to not move to Brittany and be a farm. Like, what are you talking about, Sarah? That, that's not what you want. No. You can't. You, you're feeding your crocodile. <laughs> yeah, champagne, champagne and milk, yeah, girl. Like, you cannot handle a farm no. where you're up at 5 a.m. Jesus. Feeding the pigs. It's no. not going to work for you. And she's cute, though. She thought she was going to be a nun. Yeah, how sweet. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. I mean, she probably would have been a really good traveling courtesan. Like, she had oh, yeah. something there. But, oh, yeah. like, so far, like, she's one out of three. You know, no, this, <laughs> this is the job for yeah. her, though. Like, oh, yeah. Acting 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so she did the play. It went great. Um, then the directors of the Odeon decided to stage a play that was written by Victor Hugo. Okay. Yeah. So if we remember, people were saying, fuck you, Dumas. Like, give us Hugo. Like, so she's very loyal because a lot of signs are very loyal. Mm-hmm. And so she's... In Victor Hugo's play, playing the Queen of Spain, it's a big role, and he goes out all of the rehearsals, all of them. And at first, she was kind of indifferent to him, you know, because loyal. But he gradually, like, he kept chipping away at her and uh, won her over, so she's going to end up being, like, a fervent admirer of him, oh, too. Yeah. okay. both sides. Yeah, you can be won over again. It's a water sign. It's the, it's, it's in us. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're going to be nice to me? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I mean, like it wasn't like I guess I don't know if Alexander Dumas and Victor Hugo were like bitter enemies do you know if they were I don't, I don't know okay I don't know if they were or if They're... people were trying to make it thing I would I yeah. really feel like if Alexander Dumas was like hey my little star Sarah like I fucking hate this guy I feel like she would have been like, like yeah, yeah me too yeah yep so it must have not been that big of a deal um, I may make myself sound like an idiot right now but Victor Hugo is Les Mis, correct? He wrote Les Miserables. Uh, I think so. Maybe that I trust yeah. you. You're you're the you're the lit yeah. girl. It sounds right. Yeah, that that sounds right to yeah. me. That, We're going with it. Yep, sounds good. <laughs> Don't correct us if we're wrong. Yeah. Anyways, they're they're cool now. Um, she's gonna be a fervent admirer of his, and so the opening night of this play uh, was attended by Victor Hugo himself, and you know the Prince of Wales, and Ooh. yeah, lots of big names. And then after the performance, Hugo went backstage and found her and dropped to one knee, kissed her hand. And, like, thanked her for doing such a good job. And from now on, he's going to praise her golden voice. He was the one that said, 
her golden voice. Yeah. A lot of people say that, like, captivated by, quote, the most melodious voice that ever enchanted human ears. Wow. Yeah. You want to hear it? What? Yeah. You want to hear it? The fact. Is it somewhere? The fact that there are recordings of Sarah. There are recordings? I dug them up. I'll link them. From 120 fucking years ago. Yeah. We're going to pause it because um, I have to take my phone off airplane mode because we need to upgrade our equipment. So we're going to pause and I'm going to let you listen to this, Emily, and then I'll link it so you guys can listen to it because this is really wild. She has this. I'm going to tell you before you listen to it. She's like really known for the way she delivers lines is very like sing songy and like it's a type of acting. Um, but it's let me put it on ting. And maybe it's just because it's from 120 years ago. Maybe but it's but really it's crazy. So please pause and Emily listen to this. Yeah. That was weirdly so deeply unsettling it's it's just like incredible it's haunting yeah Yeah. it's the way that she like delivers these lines it's very like i'm i obviously am not fluent in french but it's very like it's like very sing-songy and like you can tell um like later when she goes on tour not everyone speaks french but people got it you know like her emotion and like the way she said it's very Again, we'll link a clip. We were just talking about it. We don't know if we can yeah. insert a clip into it. We don't it know if there's some sort things. of yeah, copyright um, claim. But so we'll link it. Or... You have to like. There is no way no. that Maddie and I could describe it. No. Well, like, I I really want to know people's thoughts. Please comment. Yes. Spill the meat on everything. On everything. I really really want to know. I know that was like. I love it, but I am like terrified right now. Like I feel creeped out Some in our studio right now. Definitely left your face. <laughs> and that was from a wrist scene, so that was a very like a big, you know, which uh-huh. I I picked that clip because, you know, Racine was the one she butchered in that first oh, performance. Yeah. But like there she is saying it. And it's again the way she says it, she has this vibrato, it's it's really unique and really amazing. And Very you should unique. Listen, yeah. listen yeah, to really, that really clip. Cool. So um, this this play, uh, the Victor Hugo one, just packed houses. So for the first few months after it opened, she received an invitation from the director of the Comedy Francais asking if she return because this play was just going off without a hitch. Oh my gosh. Um, the Comedy Francais was offering her twelve thousand francs a year compared with less than ten thousand at the Odeon. Oh. So she. She goes to the Odeon, asked if they would match it. They said no. And she's like, well, I have this really expensive house and I have these growing expenses. I guess I'm I guess I'm going to have to leave the Odeon with much regrets. So, wow. The, yeah, the Odeon responds with a lawsuit because, you know, she's in a contract and she was forced to pay 6,000 francs. And she's like, that's fine. I'm going back to the Comédie Francaise. The money's she's better. She's still making way more money. Yeah. yeah. So she quickly took on some of the most famous and demanding roles in French theater at the Comédie Francaise. And she's just fucking killing it. So she performed over the years all around the world for, like I said, audience who didn't even know French. And she, like, they understood, like, these English-speaking, foreign-speaking audiences would just be in tears over her performances. Um, 
So a lot of her onstage lovers became offstage lovers. Cute. Yeah, love that for her. Um, and she did a lot of plays by Victor Hugo too. And this is this is my favorite one. He was in the audience a lot, but this one like just especially moved him. And which I can't imagine. I can't imagine like writing a play and then watching mm-hmm. someone just go up there and like kill it like yeah. you imagined, you know? So the next day he sent her a note. That said, quote, Madam, you were great and charming. You moved me, me, the old warrior. And at a certain moment when the public touched and enchanted by you applauded, I wept. The tear which you caused me to shed is yours. I place it at your feet. End quote. And the note was accompanied by a tear-shaped <laughs> pearl on a gold bracelet. Okay. Like, cute as hell. cute. Like, oh, my gosh. I will never get that kind of compliment in my whole fucking life. No. And, like, Sarah Bernhardt's just out here getting them. Oh, like, my gosh. Yeah. So, she's getting, <sighs> like this celebrity status now yeah so like i said our beautiful little scorpio she loved death since a child and so her death scenes are like so good she's getting famous for those um she's gonna fuel all kinds of media fires like modern celebrities today are doing um one way that that she did that was she i don't know kept a satin lined coffin in her bedroom allegedly lined with letters from her former and current lovers and then that's um, incredible yeah and then um people were like oh my god she has this coffin what does she do in the coffin she would like sleep in it or lay in it she'd say to like study for her roles um a lot of places were saying that she would like bring the coffin with her when she traveled and she's like wow don't be fucking crazy i don't bring it with me i just leave it here (laughs) i just have one Um, her younger sister got um tuberculosis at one point and so sarah let her stay with her and let her sleep in her own bed because Sarah was just going to sleep in the coffin. And oh, so people naturally. were like, no, there's no way she's like, what a fucking weirdo. So, you know, you know what she does? You know what she does? Let me tell you what she does. She fucking poses for photos in the coffin oh with my like God. flowers. She's laying there sleeping in it, just like adding to these legends oh that she my gosh. created about well, herself. Talk is talk. The more they're talking, Hell yeah, man. the better. Yeah. Like, if you're I, an actress. I'll post the photo, the coffin photo, mm-hmm. because my God. Also, like, that's the thing. Like, if you're going to sleep in a satin-lined coffin for clout, you're a fucking Scorpio. Like, that's uh, yeah, it. Yeah, there's like, no other sign you could possibly be. No, like, because uh, there's moments, because she has that temper where... I was like, oh, man, like maybe some fire sign there. Mm-hmm. But like the water signs are like temper, too. So like, yeah, so, uh, yeah, like it's like fire signs are like, fuck you. And then yeah. water signs are like, fuck you. And then like <laughs> earth signs are like, levels. fuck you. Yeah. And then air signs are like, uh-huh, fuck you. you know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. that's it. Like, yeah. That's what you need to know. That just really sums it all up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I, and she does seem more like the fuck you. I'm going to break a fucking umbrella over your head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. But she's also drama. Yes. So, she's just yeah. drama but in like, every aspect. The, the fucking coffin. Like, that was the nail in that's the coffin it. for me. Yeah. Like, you're, you're a Scorpio, baby. Um, she was frequently in conflict with the director of the theater. The 
one that just asked her to come back. Um, she's doing oh, great. No. Um, yeah, he would get mad at her for fun things like this one time. She took a flight over Paris in a hot air balloon, really casually, with just one of her painter friends, because who else do you take with you? Okay. Um, the balloon was decorated with the name of her current character, so, you know, she was advertising. Yeah, great for um, advertising. But then this unexpected storm just, like, blew in and carried this balloon way far outside Paris to this little small town and she had to like take a train back to the city like how annoying oh my gosh and the director was fucking pissed and fined her like a thousand francs because she broke a theater rule that required actors to request permission before they left Paris and she's like are you fucking kidding me yeah and she's like no I'm not paying that no and he's like yeah you are you broke a rule and she's like cool I'm like I'm not paying it he's like okay well then you're fired uh, and she's like oh are you are you gonna fire me yeah. I don't think you can afford to fire me and he's like fuck I can't afford to fire her <laughs> and yeah. so they they arranged a compromise okay yeah so she would withdraw her resignation because she fucking quit because Sarah she's like no fuck you fire mm-hmm. me then no don't fire me I quit yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. so they're like okay go ahead and like take that back just pay the fine you have so many friends just pay the fine yeah and we'll go ahead and raise you to a societary which is the highest rank of the theater and she's like Okay. Mm, okay. Yeah, she's, <laughs> it's like she's paying for it, yeah, you know? It's pretty fine. Much, yeah. yeah. You know, difficult. Um, so she's earning a substantial amount at the theater, but her ex- expenses are just mounting. Um, sh- she has yeah. eight servants. Um, she built her first house now, this imposing mansion somewhere oh, we okay. upgraded from apartments. And so she's always looking for additional ways to earn money. So while the theater was being remodeled, the company went on tour to London. So before the tour began, a British theater impresario Mm -hmm. traveled to Paris and told Sarah that she should give private performances in the homes of wealthy Londoners. Oh! Like, they would pay a pretty penny for that. Yeah, like, the fee that she could charge that she would get from each of these is going to be more than her monthly salary of comedy. Oh my god. And she's like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm gonna do that. Yeah. So she just goes off and does it. So, meanwhile, the director of the comedy, Francaise, reads about it in the paper that she's doing these private performances. Oh, no. And he's fucking pissed. Yeah. yeah. And, like, that's not the only... she's, like, under contract, right? Yeah. And, yeah. like, you're just not telling anyone and seeing it yeah. mm. Um, And that's not even all that he's mad about. He's also really pissed because the Gaiety Theatre in London demanded that Sarah star in the opening performance of their play that they're putting on. And that's just not how it works in France. And the traditions of the comedy Francais, roles are assigned by seniority. And this idea that's of stupid. Yeah. And this idea <laughs> of stardom is just scorned. Like, you're going to be a star. Ew, scorn. You know, like they were probably so fucking pissed that people were waiting outside the theater to like throw flowers at her. Like the French. Oh, God. You know? yeah. oh wow. Okay. Seriously. Like, I love you, France. I'm, I have a lot of French ancestry. I love it. But like, like this is this is one of those things you know yeah, what the heck? Heck yeah this is yeah. very stereotypically french yeah um so the director of the comedy francais is like you're not fucking doing that like a no you're here with us you're not starring in their thing b this isn't how we do things you're fucking 10th or 11th in seniority if anyone's going to be in that role it should be these other nine or ten people not you so the gaiety manager is like oh cool if you're not gonna let her do it we're gonna 
cancel the whole fucking performance. If we can't have her, we're not having it. And we're going to tell everybody that it's your fault. <gasps> and the French people and their stupid fucking rules and all your dumb shit. This is not a direct quote. And, yeah. <laughs> and the French director, like, literally had to give in. He's like, fucking oh, fine. Shit. So he's... Sarah's on the schedule to perform one act of Phaedra on the opening oh night. Gosh. And she's getting all this special celebrity treatment, breaking mm. all these rules. And so directly before, though, the opening curtain, Sarah suffered this bout of stage fright. How? I don't know. After all this time? Yes. And so it's at the Gaiety Theater in London, and she gets this attack of stage fright. Um, she gets through it. But she later wrote that... Uh, on top of the stage fright and freaking out, she pitched her voice too high and she couldn't like lower it, like going forward, you know? And so it was just, it wasn't, it, she wasn't oh, happy. But no. yeah. So with that being said, how do you think it went? <laughs> uh, probably, I don't know. It's Sarah though. I would say not well, but then like she also got through it. It was, but I, I'm gonna say probably not not good. But she's a lucky bitch. She's a lucky bitch. It was like a complete triumphant success. Yeah. Okay. I don't See, know. There you yeah, go. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I am. I'm gonna keep asking you, but like, you're never gonna know because no, you, it's either shit or fantastic. Yes. I don't know. Um, the majority of the audience couldn't speak French. Again, like I said, her voice, her gestures. They got it. One member of the audience said she set every nerve and fiber in their bodies throbbing and held them all spellbound. Again, Jesus. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> um, in addition to plays with her troops, she kept giving those private recitals in homes of British aristocrats. Aristic, I always want to say Aristocats. <laughs> Aristocrats. <laughs> um, and the same person who arranged all of that to happen also arranged an exhibition of all of her sculptures and paintings. Okay. Yeah, I didn't mention that Baby's an artist. What? She doesn't get a lot of credit for this, um, but she should. While acting, she began studying sculpture and, like, famous artists. Yeah, and, like, became just passionately devoted to, to the craft. Does she sleep? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't think so. Her work was exhibited in the Paris Salon, in London, like I just mentioned, in New York, Philadelphia, all over. Uh, she participated in the World's Columbian Exposition in Chicago, at the Exposition Universal in Paris. Like, she excelled at modeling and shaping. And the majority of her sculptures are portraits and busts, or portrait busts, excuse me. Um, but she also made some smaller objects as well. And she has 50 documented artworks. And they're incredible. Wow. These sculptures are incredible, Emily. That is crazy. It's incredible. Like, she's very passionate, Scorpio, about all <laughs> forms of art, but she painted, she designed dresses. Oh my um, gosh. She, yeah, she's gonna start directing this theater company. Like, she's very, she's, yeah. She's just creative. She's just creative. Um, some people, because drama, claim that she would have professional artists and sculptures touch up her paintings, mostly her sculptures, at the end. I don't. I don't even care if they did. No. They're exquisite, and there's a difference between like doing the art and like touching it up. Even if they did touch it up, they would have. There's nothing. They're amazing. Again, I will post photos. They're incredible. Yeah, even if they did touch them. it up. The, mm -hmm. So, like, she still got the initial thing. It's yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. She's just amazing. Anyway, more Sarah being Sarah here. Um, we're just going to jump right into my 
all-time favorite, my favorite, favorite Sarah drama moment ever. This is it okay. right here. It's nothing like super crazy, you know, but I just love her. I yeah. love her personality. She's so difficult. So back in Paris, she was increasingly discontented with the director and management of the Comedy Francais. They're just not getting mm-hmm. along. Imagine that. So the director insists that she performs the lead in a new play. And she thought this play was complete shit. She thought it was mediocre, didn't want to do it. Uh And he's like, well, you're going to because I'm the director and you're under contract and you're doing it. So she rehearses the play with zero enthusiasm. She's just like going through (laughs) the motions. She frequently forgot her lines and the playwright sitting there and like finally pipes up and like criticizes her. And she says, this is my favorite. She says, I know I'm bad, but not as bad as your lines. Yeah, that's a direct quote. I know I'm bad, but not as bad as your lines. Oh, Sarah. So, yeah, she went ahead, did the play, and the play fucking bombed. Huge failure. She knew. Like, massive, yeah. So she immediately wrote to the director and said, you forced me to play when I was not ready. What I first saw came to pass. This is my first failure at the comedy and my last. She sent him that resignation letter, made copies, and sent them to all the major newspapers (laughs) everywhere. He sued her for breach of contract. The court ordered her to pay 100,000 francs plus interest. Oh, my gosh. Plus interest. And she lost her accrued pension of 43,000 francs. She didn't fucking care. Like, wow. That's my favorite thing yeah. that she did. Like, oh my gosh. You fucking made me do this. I didn't want to. I told you it was going to bomb. It did. I'm not doing this again. Here's this for the world to see. Oh. Yeah. And by the way, she just figured out that she could make so much fucking money on her own. Oh, so, yeah. So the same guy that was arranging all that stuff in London uh-huh. heard that she left the theater because who the fuck didn't, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone heard. And he's like, you know what you should do? You should do this tour of England and the U.S. Like, Oh, there's like more ways to make money. Yeah. Like not just the private ones. Oh, like, yeah. And oh, she's wow. like, okay, yeah, talk to me about it. Like, let's, I'm, I'm interested. He's like, yeah, I'll make it happen for you. And she's like, oh, okay, I don't know. He's like, well, how about this? Here's, here's the conditions. She could select her repertoire and the whole cast. She would receive 5,000 francs per performance, plus 15% of any earnings over 15,000 francs, plus all of her expenses paid, plus an account in her name for 100,000 francs, which was the amount she owed. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yep, let's go. I'm, yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. Oh, how can you turn that down? Yeah, you fucking don't. No. So she's doing it. She performed for the first time La Dame au Camalier. And she was most famous for this role um, as the beautiful Marguerite. And she played this role like thousands of times throughout her life, literal thousands, wow. well into her old age. And this was like the first time she was doing it. Oh my like gosh. this was her role. Um, it was reported that every time she acted in this role, mm-hmm. the whole audience was sobbing by the time she got to Marguerite's death scene. Oh like my this gosh. was her shit. Yeah. yeah. So she's making fucking bank from these tours. Um for example, just to show you how much bank, uh, she when she got a glimpse of the American prices, she was like, okay, I'm touring America several times because we mm-hmm. do it big here. We still do. Our entertainment industry is mm-hmm. kind of ridiculous, honestly. Yeah. So the New York tickets at this point were $40 a piece. That is over $1,100 
per ticket back then is oh huge. Oh my god. Yeah, the American prices were fucking tits. And guess how many curtain calls she got after her first performance in the United States? Three. 27. What? 27. Like, how long did that go on? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, at some point, it's just got to be irritating, right? <laughs> like, how long were they all sitting there? Yeah. Um, 27 fucking curtain calls. But the the New York High Society didn't like her because her questionable lifestyle that she lived. But everyone else oh, loved her. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you guys can just fucking keep your stuffy asses. Sarah's yeah. doing just fine without you. Yeah. Um. So the, the comedy francais hears about this, wants her back. And she's like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Do you know mm-hmm. how much money uh-huh. I'm making? Like, yeah. her U.S. tour had 157 performances in 51 cities. She oh was God. making so much fucking money. She traveled on a special train with her own luxurious palace car. It carried her, her two maids, her two cooks, a waiter, her maitre d'hotel, and her personal assistant. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, it also carried an actor... Um, who she selected to serve as her leading man, and uh-huh. according to most, her lover during the tour. She, I don't, I think it kind of goes without saying that, like, she's got lovers on lovers on lovers. Yeah. Like, she's not mm-hmm. married. She's no. fucking just d- fucking. I yeah. mean, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. In the U.S., she also met one Thomas Edison, who made a brief recording of her reciting a verse from Phaedra, but it didn't survive. But he just, like, she was, like, walking through the park, and he's like, holy shit, it's you. Like, I want to make this recording kind of thing. And she, like, rattled it off. Yeah, so she's pretty well known. Yeah. Um, She crisscrossed through the United States and Canada. She would perform every evening and then leave right after the performance and, like, get to the next place. She gave countless press interviews. And in Boston, she posed for photos on the back of a dead whale. Don't love that. But she was condemned. Weird? Yeah, very weird. (laughs) Um, I'm assuming it was just on the beach. I don't know whose idea that was. I don't know if she was... I, I don't know. It's Careful, Sarah. Sarah. Those explode. Dead <laughs> <laughs> whales on the beach literally explode. Like, how terrible is that? I, so, I love that you mentioned it as, like, a little blip, too. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. I, but that's how wild her life is. You can't make that yeah, thing because like, there's so much. There's so much. Yeah. I, I imagine... I didn't do any deep digging for that photo because I'm an animal lover, but I... I don't want to see you it. You know but... that she is just, like, splayed out on this. <laughs> <laughs> with a fucking boa on and a long cigarette. Yo, like, God. Fuck? Um, so anyway, she's condemned as immoral by the press this whole tour, and it's just increasing ticket sales. Like, she's just selling out. People are loving it. Yeah. Um, she also always insisted on being paid in cash. Like, she wants it right now. She wants it in cash. Mm-hmm. So when she goes home from France from this whole thing, she had a, a chest, chest filled with... 194,000 in gold coins. In solid gold coins. Oh my god. It's millions. That is millions of dollars. Just in a chest. How it's scary to put that all together, though, and risk hell. that. I, I mean, know. it'd be so heavy. I guess no one can just, like, pick it up and steal it. But <sighs> Right. God, I know. Yeah. Um, she described the result of this trip. I just, I love her quote, so there's a lot. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Um, it, she said, I crossed the oceans carrying my dream of art and myself, and the genius of my nation triumphed. I planted the French verb in a heart of foreign literature, and it is that of which I am the most proud. Oh, so patriotic. Yeah, very patriotic. Yeah. Um, But when she went back to France, 
No crowd was there to greet her. Um, theater managers offered her no new rules. Uh, the press completely ignored her tour. There was no mention of that at all. Um, the theater world completely resented her leaving the most prestigious national theater to go earn a fortune abroad. How dare you, Sarah? She would eventually... I mean, they're mad at her. They're going to be mad at her for a long yeah. time. Um, she eventually worked her way back into the hearts of the French people with her patriotism. During this um, performance, this patriotic performance she gave, um, it was this big... I know I've said patriotic several times, <laughs> but it's, it was this big patriotic celebration. And at the end, she like came out and like recited this really patriotic, sorry, <laughs> poem and like waved the French flag like ferociously. The French president was there and everyone's like, yes, Sarah, we yeah. love you. Okay. You know, yeah. yeah. So she, she got it back. Yeah. Um, she kept touring and acting in France, touring about. Um, like I mentioned, she did encounter a lot of anti-Semitism during these tours. Um, oh. It's disgusting. We hate it. Crowds would throw rocks at her. <gasps> um, this was a time where like, Jewish people were forced out of places. Oh. That was definitely rearing its ugly head. So with all of the glitz and glamour, do keep that in mind that she was working through this. Because again, she is very upfront. Like, I love how she said, like, a proud member of the great Jewish race. Like, yeah. she's very much owning no, it. No, she's not trying to hide it at all. No. And so while that's going on, there's other, like, on the opposite side of the spectrum, like, Alexander III and Russia broke protocol and bowed to her. Like, wow, she's all over the place. Yeah. And she's going to keep being all over the place. And that's where I'm going to leave it today. Because we're going to rev up with another fucking hot mess okay. of her of her life so this excited. big yeah this big just bundle of just hot shit happens and yeah is this all happening in her 20s by the way um she's she's still or are we in her 30s now like where are we with i've kind of jumped sorry yeah, i've, I've kind no. of jumped around um we're definitely still in her younger years oh okay, okay yeah um i i don't know exactly but i would say yeah 20s 30s she's definitely still in the prime of her life yeah, st- yeah. so much has happened yeah like, it's wild i know yeah her career is really she's only done one tour like it's really starting oh my gosh yeah okay i'm so, so excited to hear part two yeah stick yeah. with us bye. bye okay now it's time for a fresh cup a cup a cup of freshness Okay, so from subreddit, am I the asshole? Another freaking deleted one. Stop doing that, people, because then I have to go and, like, put in the special website to this find one, it. You did kind of have to dig for I this one. I had to dig this You're yeah. normally fast, fast. Actually, no, I had to dig for the last one, and I actually couldn't find it. Not on my phone, at least. My computer's not hooked up to the internet right now, but... Yeah. Yeah, I gave up on that last one. So this one, still goody. Um... I'm not going to read the title. <laughs> okay. Okay. I25 male used to have the biggest crush on my childhood friend Emily, 26 female. It's Cute. A little weird. <laughs> yeah. Cute. Like should I change the name for the purpose of this podcast? I don't no. know. As a teen, I wasn't very assertive and a little awkward, so I never made a move and just hoped that one day Emily would realize that I was the guy for her. The only person who I openly admitted my crush, although it was kind of obvious too, was my brother Liam, 28 male. 
Oh, no. <laughs> was, oh, no. He was much more assertive and confident than I was and would run through girls like water. So I went to him for advice about Emily. Oh, no, Liam. <laughs> no. <laughs> Given the situation at the time, you can imagine my surprise when I caught Liam and Emily hooking up. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's not okay. I thought that Liam was going to, like, go for Emily. But they were, they were he already did. Yeah, I mean, okay. Yep. Um, I know that she technically was never my girlfriend, but it still sucked and I did feel betrayed. I feel like that's fair. Yeah. It's okay to be like, oh, that sucks that like I talked to you about how much I like this oh, girl. Wait, wait, wait. He did talk to him about it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, I... Okay, I'm a fucking idiot. Do you... It's really late. Do you want to hear the scenario that I thought was playing out? Because here it is. I thought that he was like, oh my God, my brother's a total player. I should go ask him for like advice and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he was like walking into his bedroom to ask his brother for advice and open the door. (gasps) And there's his brother and Emily. And I was like, oh, that's sad. But like his brother didn't like, no. Yeah. But no. No. Okay. His brother knows. Yeah. That's that's what I thought was going to happen. And that's some fucked up shit, Liam. Yeah. That's fucked up. Like, no, it wasn't his, Emily wasn't his girlfriend, but like that does suck. And you have a right to feel betrayed. Oh yeah. That's terrible. Uh, It turns out they hooked up at a party once and liked the encounter so much that they kept meeting up to do it when no one else was around i felt completely sick and basically just distanced myself from emily after that which could be really awkward because we had a lot of classes together and we had the same shift at the part-time job we had a job that emily frequently depended on me to give her rides to okay oh no here's the thing uh-huh. how the fuck is this emily's fault this isn't emily's fault is Why he are you taking it out on her i don't know I, I, is, I don't you know. You didn't even tell her that you liked her, you dick. That is kind of like, I, it is, I know, I've, uh, he literally just said like, so I was kind of just going to sit back and let her come to me. It's like, well, you're, what, what do you say, 25, 26? He's 25? Now. Yeah. So, But you liked her since childhood and it's been 25 years. You just haven't said anything and yeah, now you're just bro. waiting for her to come to you. Like, come on. Yeah. No. I don't know. You should have gotten your shit together. I feel bad for you, but like, you got to make a move, dude. Uh, like, yeah. this isn't anyone's. And, you know, asshole move on Liam's part, but this is not Emily's fault. No, this is the, the farthest from her yeah. fault. It's not her fault she's desirable. Yeah. <laughs> Those Emily's, man. I just wanted to remove <laughs> I just wanted to remove Emily from my life completely. But during the summer of our senior year, she and Liam sat me and my parents down and explained that Emily had gotten pregnant and were planning on keeping the baby. Oh. My parents weren't happy while I just got up and locked myself in my room. All I could think was, well, crap, now she's never going to go away. Jeez, dude, okay. <laughs> I purposefully transferred to an out-of-state college oh, so I wouldn't whoa. be home. Oh, get therapy. Um, <laughs> so I wouldn't be home as much and lied about getting stuck in traffic when I missed Emily and Liam's wedding. And I show. <laughs> I'm sorry I missed your entire wedding. Traffic was real bad. Oh, traffic was a bitch. It's your brother. Brother. And your childhood friend. Like, they were friends. Oh, But, wow. like, Emily, you don't let me sleep with you, like... Fuck yeah. you. You you did not come to me yeah. to sleep. You should have come to me and asked me. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> while I just sit here. What the fuck? I showed no interest in my niece, Daisy, eight female. Daisy. Though, <laughs> cute. <laughs> no, Daisy. Although I still make the effort to be polite when I'm around them. 
Recently, Emily's father has passed away and she's really going through it because despite him not being around, she always desired a relationship. When we were kids, I remember all those times I was a shoulder for Emily to cry on whenever she felt sad about her dad. And I guess she was longing for that type of comfort from me and kept reaching out. One day I relented and let her vent, but I maintained a silent and formal demeanor on the manor. After spending an hour crying, I offered Emily some water and then she asked me why I was being so cold how I know how much she needed a friend right now. I calmly yet firmly told her that we were just kids then and that if she wants that level of emotional intimacy, then she needs to go to my brother, her husband, because I stopped being her comfort person a long time ago. Emily cried even more, left, and has managed to send Liam, my parents, Emily's mom, and from mutual friends to call me up and tell me that I'm heartless and sad for being so spiteful. I can honestly say that I am now over Emily. Oh, no, bud. But that Come doesn't on. mean I'm willing to be as close to her as I used to. So am I the asshole? Uh, yeah. Man. No, I'm going to confidently say yeah. Yeah. She I did nothing to you. Literally did nothing to you. Except for not fuck you. Not, did not, not even, even like... You, you didn't even tell her that you liked That's her. That's the thing. Her flaw, what Emily did wrong was not read his fucking mind yeah. and like him too. Uh-huh. Or like she should have liked him so she could be the assertive one to like what do you want, man? Like yeah. Emily's not the one for you, I guess, because she's not going to come to you yeah. like this little puppy that just needs you. Like what come on. Yeah, and I like don't know. I hate the like I guess she thought she could come back to me as a shoulder to cry on since she did before. It's like yeah, because you guys were friends. That's what friends do. I also kind of just feel like if this is going to be such an issue, which it is, I, I mean, he's never going to because, good Lord, the cowardice in this guy. But <laughs> you could at least just be like, hey, just so you know, I have been in love with you since childhood. I told Liam about it. Blah, blah, blah. This whole thing really is fucking me up. And I don't think I can be around you. Yeah. Right? Like, at least just at tell her that. At the very least, just be honest yeah, about the situation. she has no clue what's wrong. No. Like, she has no clue. And her fucking father died. This is this bigger is than so you and your mean. feelings. You, like, didn't even show up to her wedding. Like, yeah, this your is brother's just fucking wedding. mean. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, man. No, it's... It's just sad. Okay, top comment. You had a crush in high school on a girl, but never asked her out. Somebody else did, and she married them. It's a decade decade later, and you still ignore her kid, who was literally your niece, because you're salty about it. Dude, this isn't healthy. Please get help. I have to put, you're the asshole, but, like, this is beyond, am I the asshole? Yeah. Like, beyond this subreddit. I don't even, like, yeah, again, I don't even know that this is asshole. This is, like, there's something there. Like, there, yeah, you need to go talk to somebody. Like, there's some disconnect in your brain that, that, yeah, like, why are you mad? Uh I don't know. No, this is. I don't know. This is so not okay. Yeah, you've spent nine years being so bitter. That's really sad for you. I don't think you're the asshole for telling Emily you can't be that person for her, but you're definitely the asshole for spending so much time being angry and obstinate. In. Don't spend the rest of your life like this. It will only bring more of the same. Yeah, like he honestly could have said it then. Like at least, like why are you being so cold? Like because I fucking liked you. Like you could have said it then, like, so long ago. I mean that probably Daisy's wasn't eight now. Yeah, like there's say. been minimum of like, like nine to ten years. Yeah, and all that. Like I don't you know. Easily in all that time, yeah, could have yeah told her like hey. 
I know that I've been distant. Like, I'm really sorry, but it's just harder for me. Yeah. Yeah. I like was in love with you. I'm just, I need space in order to like move on. Yeah. And I feel like she'd be like, oh my God, that fucking sucks. But okay. Yeah. (laughs) Cause she seems like a normal, reasonable person. Yeah. But okay, yeah, that's that's it for today for your fresh cup. Yep, there's that. Join us for part twosies. <laughs> no, just go ahead and tell people you love them. If you do, don't don't waste don't waste that precious moment because they're gonna go marry your brother. Yeah, they're gonna marry your brother and have a kid with a cute ass name. With a cute ass name that you're gonna ignore. Yeah. <laughs>